Welcome to Mind and Soul Matters. I'm Farah Feeney. Through conversations with everyday people, Mind and Soul Matters, a Baha'i-inspired podcast, aims to broaden our understanding of mental health and spirituality and to deepen our insights into the challenges and meaning of our lives. Our guest today is Kynan Feeney. Kynan is an associate professor, a medical oncologist and a family man. He has treated patients with cancer for over 15 years and has a strong interest in research for new cancer treatments. I'm looking forward to having a soulful conversation with Kynan about his experience of working so closely with death, a topic we often avoid speaking about as well as his personal experience of loss. Welcome, Kynan. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Farah. Now, it's not a coincidence that we share the same last name. We are, in fact, married and have been for 22 years. And I'm really excited to be here exploring areas which we don't usually talk about in our everyday life. So firstly, uh, most people diagnosed with cancer will survive. So that's the good news. However, as an oncologist, you're faced with death on a daily basis. So what is it like for you to be faced with death or dying patients every day? Yeah, oncology is a field of stark contrasts. It, uh, it ranges from, from one end, you know, new technological advances in immunotherapy and genetics, and being able to now cure cancers which were previously considered terminal. From, from one extreme right through to the more traditional role of, of a doctor in terms of dealing with suffering, uh, providing comfort to those who are in distress and their families, maintaining hope in the context of danger, and often involving quite in, intense interpersonal relationships. Mm. But um, outside of all that, the reality is, is because of the nature of cancer as a disease, Death is a permanent part of the daily reality of any oncologist. Um, of course, patients may be in their last days. They may be in the terminal phase of their illness. But even if they're being treated for potentially curative cancers, uh, the spectre of, of potentially something recurring or potentially dying from their disease is always in the background. And um, it's always a part of the narrative, even if it's unspoken. So in a sense, Facing one's mortality is something that confronts us when we have patients coming to an oncology clinic, coming to an oncologist. And my role as a physician in this area is to obviously provide medical treatment, but also to provide a guide and an assistance to patients and their families through that journey. Hmm. So that's interesting. So even with curable cancers, still comes a huge amount of anxiety, possibly, and yeah, lots of emotion with the, the patient and their families. So that yeah. sounds like quite an intense environment to be working in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not one which is um, laid back and, and relaxed and calm all the time. It's, 
you know, it involves um, people at the most vulnerable often, uh, people when they're very unwell and families when they're very stressed and distressed. So it does come with a certain degree of emotional intensity. Mm-hmm. And Kynan, has the experience of personal loss, the most significant being the death of your son or our son, impacted how you interact with your patients or do you think it's more the other way around in that your work impacts how you experience personal loss? So I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for severe trauma or loss. Certainly the loss or trauma of losing a child is one which hopefully none of us need to experience but but we have and it's not it's not something that you can prepare for mm. and certainly I've, unfortunately many people in the world have experienced that throughout history and i don't think it's necessarily impacted me personally in terms of how i approach my work professionally but it does provide a deeper emotional insight into the reality of families when faced with mortality and faced with serious illness. So like a higher level of empathy, you think? Yeah, empathy and understanding because, you know, people present in many different ways in that setting. Hmm. They can become very distressed, but often they can be very graceful and, and deal with it with a lot of uh, humility, grace and kindness, which is something that always impresses me hmm. that that happens so often and it's a privilege for me to, to be a part of. Hmm. Yeah, that um, reminds me of a particular patient, actually, because I also work in the field of oncology. And there was a patient who lost um, her daughter who was in her early 20s died and she sent a card and it was filled with gratitude. And I kept that card for months um, close by and would read it almost daily as a reminder of gratitude. There's a lot to be learnt from, from the patients and, and, the, and their journey as they go through this. What have you learnt um, from your patients in terms of facing your own death? Well, the reality is death is, is inevitable. It's a, it's a reality for every living being on the planet. And I think it's something which is, comes to the centre of the questions of meaning and purpose in life. Obviously, when speaking about this, I speak from a personal experience and an experience of dealing with patients, which is in a, in a Western, primarily affluent context. And I think that's important because the way uh, death and dying is experienced around the world is different. And the perspectives of different cultures and different religious beliefs do vary. So really speaking from this vantage point, I can say that you know most of us like to think that we're in control or that we like to have control in our life, mm. like to have predictability. We like to have some sort of ability to master the way that we move forward in the world. And this is, of course, somewhat illusory. I mean, sure, we have some degree of volition and some degree of control in our life, but there are many things in our life which are just out of our control. And to a large degree, death is one of them. We can't fully control our death. We can't fully control how we die or when we die. And accepting this reality is a part of accepting our mortality and then redefining how we view the time that we have on this planet. The Baha'i writings say, bring thyself to account each day, for death unheralded shall come upon thee. Mm. 
Right. And this, this particular writing speaks to the experience of oncology and, and patients very closely to me. That second part, which is when it says, death unheralded shall come upon thee, this word unheralded, this, this is really a common experience. It's something I've learned from my patients and some, that for some reason, even in the context of terminal cancer, even in the context of your oncologist saying there's probably nothing more we can do, there's perhaps time to focus on moving away from cure and more towards uh, quality and more towards comfort. Even, even in that context, for many people, that one day will be their last, still can be somewhat of a surprise, this unheralded, unexpected, unforeseen. And, um, you know, I, mean, I, mean, I haven't thought about this in great depth, but when I reflect upon how this happens with patients, it, I think it's to some degree is almost like a defense mechanism where we go about our day each day thinking about tomorrow, preparing for tomorrow. So we keep going, we keep planning, we keep doing. But at some point, obviously, the planning and the doing will stop. And whilst we shouldn't stop planning and doing, we shouldn't stop pushing forward and trying to achieve what we can and, and do what we can, knowing that we will die, knowing that intellectually, as well as emotionally, we accept that that will happen, it does sharpen the focus. It does enable us to really then focus on how we can live our best life within the context of our own set of values, not to be distracted by trivialities, binary irritations or petty differences, because there is a limit to the time that we have. So to make the most of that time is really important. Now, I guess that's, that's one thing that I've really um, learned and, and drawn from the experience. When we're thinking about death, it's about focusing on actually how we live our life. Yeah. No, yeah. Having that goal. And, and it's, an analogy that came to my mind is when we go on a trip, if we're traveling, if we don't know where we're going, then we don't know how to pack. If we're going, you know, one destination to another will make a difference. Yeah, so this is um, a second part of the learning for me. The Baha'i concept of reality is that human reality doesn't end with death. You know, we have a consciousness, we have a spiritual entity, the soul, which transcends physical death and continues in its eternal journey towards God, in its eternal spiritual development. This provides us a context to how we should live our life, how we should pursue life in this world. Just on that, Kynan, so do you think the belief that you have that our life doesn't end with death, do you think that impacts how you practice as an oncologist? So how I practice as an oncologist is mainly to serve the needs of my patient. So my patient's needs is what I'm primarily there to do. So what I believe in terms of the consciousness after death or you know, life after death doesn't really impact how I practice oncology because the patient in front of me will say, you know, I really want to fight this thing, I really want to not fight this thing, I want to focus on quality, whatever it may be. You know, my, my, my role there really there is to just, is to focus on the patient, their family, and what their goals are. But certainly um, it does help me um, because getting through day-to-day -day living, uh, reflecting on people's lives, it does help personally 
to realize that the people that we are with, the people that we're treating, do have a journey that hopefully will transcend this and will go beyond this short-term suffering, this short-term disease and what they're experiencing um, in, in, in this battle often with cancer and unfortunately sometimes in a terminal illness, we will be transcended ultimately with something greater. Hmm. Kan, I wanted to come back to that quote you shared about bringing ourself to account each day because death will come unexpected, unheralded. What's your understanding on bringing ourselves to account each day? Yeah, so that's the second part, the second learning as a part of that sort of quote. Um, because this, this concept of bringing thyself to account, so self-reflection, and in this particular um, guidance from the Baha'i Faith, it says on a daily basis, it's really about living our best life. Because we, we don't want to dwell on death for the purpose of imagining our end but rather to provide context, to see the bigger picture and ensure we don't lose sight of our ultimate purpose. So when we reflect on our actions, when we reflect on how we are purposing our lives, what we're doing, where it's going, how we're interacting with others, it does help us to refocus and hopefully to become better each day. For me personally, I try to reflect frequently on how I can improve both from a technical perspective, so doing research, reading journal articles, being involved in all those sort of things that try to make you a better doctor technically, but also from an emotional perspective to ensure that I can as much as possible be of best service to, to my patients. There's actually a writing from the Baha'i Faith about working. Working is like worship. So whilst we know about religious worship, prayer and, and song and all those sort of acts of worship. But in the Baha'i Faith, um, working in the spirit of service is also an act of worship. This writing says, to serve mankind and minister to the needs of the people is worship. A physician ministering to the sick gently, tenderly, free from prejudice and believing in the solidarity of the human race, he is giving praise. So I try to approach everyday work as a way to express the values of serving my fellow man and hopefully that is the way we can best translate these sort of values in our everyday life which can then move forward in the world. Mm, that's put a smile on my face and really warmed my heart because it's reminded me of uh, when our daughter was little she was about probably two or three and I remember when she would say by to you in the mornings, her sentence would be, be kind to your patients. And it's just um, what you've described there has reminded me of that. Before, yeah, that would be the little cry that she'd yell out the door yeah. as I was leaving to work, be yeah. kind to your patients. But, um, yeah, I think it's important. I think all of these things, like this reflection, this, you know, reflecting upon the temporal nature of our life, it actually is a part of mental health mm. because, you know, it does give us vision it gives us something to aim towards it provides an understanding of the continuity of existence and it removes feelings of hopelessness it removes feelings of you know what's the point despair what's the point of doing this mm. you know i guess 
everyone's going to die, we're all, it's all going to end, you know. It's sort of like a nihilistic sort of approach to living one's life in a purely materialistic sense. Not materialism in, in a sense of like being materialistic, but just understanding the world from a purely material, physical perspective. Mm. So if you focus your vision above that, what is a very important aspect, our material existence, but put it into the context of an eternal spiritual existence, which is focused on serving one's fellow man, it does provide always a sense of we can do something, we can do more, we can provide solace and comfort to each other. Mm. We can improve civilization through our everyday actions in our family, in our work, in our neighborhoods. And that's, that's important and perhaps no more important than right now during a global pandemic where we are sometimes confined to our homes or sometimes we're distressed and see suffering. But there's always something we can do, even if it's calling up someone, providing some degree of solace, that, that is very meaningful. Mm. And and the other thing that's is joy because I know in the cancer patients that I've seen joy, you know, they laugh even though they are facing death and they might have terminal cancer, they can still laugh and be happy and joyful and um, still have that quality of life. Yeah, I mean, grace in the face of suffering is something that I deal with every day and it humbles mm. me. I mean, I go into work, I'm, oh, I'm a bit tired, I'm a bit grumpy, you know, and then I've got this patient in front of me that's young, that has three young children and they're dying and they give me a smile and say, thank you, doctor. And I look and I just think, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have been so grumpy when I woke up this morning. And, you know, it just, it really humbles me every day when I see this level of uh, amazing spirit in the face of suffering, which, which humani- human beings have the potential for. If someone is going through cancer, um, is there anything you would like to share that might help them through that process? I mean, it's very difficult to provide something that's relevant to everybody. And we're just talking generally here, you know, so hopefully anyone that may have cancer that's listening to this would have a great network around them of family, friends, a great medical and nursing team. So from purely a general sort of comment is that you know it's it's often tough it's it's normal to feel anxious it's normal to feel a bit afraid a bit uncertain and and it's a bit of a roller coaster you know often there are waves of emotions from you know deep despair to great elation if you get good news which you know down the track may then turn into bad news which then may turn into good news again so It's a very rocky road uh, to a large degree. And, you know, people deal with those things differently. I don't think there's any particular right or wrong way to do it other than hopefully listening to the advice of your doctor and and nursing team and, you know, seeking support and and help from your family and friends network. And if you don't have them, you know, to to express those uh, needs or requirements with your caring team. Mm, fantastic. Thank you so much, Kynan. It's been really interesting talking to you and getting a perspective of what it's like to um, walk along patients that are potentially facing death or 
have curable um, disease but are feeling uncertain, emotional, anxious. It's been a really insightful conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Farah. I'd like to also thank our listeners and our great team who work behind the scenes to bring mind and soul matters to you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to click on subscribe on your preferred podcast app and share with friends. For any comments or feedback, please email mindandsoulmatters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If today's episode has raised any concerns for you, please contact your local mental health service. And for our listeners in Australia, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Join me next month as I'll be speaking with Maya, a delightful and loving soul who experienced significant loss at a young age and how she has gone from grief, suffering and chaos to nurturing compassion, hope and meaning. I look forward to your company then.